He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today joined, or, you know, typically joined by Raj Chapalu. Um, after wins, we like to we like to do this thing, and we like to talk about the Lakers when the vibes are at their best. The vibes in this one were pretty good um, for, for yep. the most part until, I would say, like the very end or midway through the fourth quarter when I think they started really messing around. Uh, but the Lakers beat the Chicago Bulls handily. And they did so behind D'Angelo Russell, who continues to kick ass in uh, so many ways that Raj just keeps on asking, like, are we sure? Are you <laughs> sure? You know, on all these things. The final score here was 141 to 132. Um, and there is a ton to take from this one. I thought it was a perfect encapsulation of this season. Um, so we're going to talk about that. And um, unfortunately, we are going to talk about trades. Um, and, and, and we're going to make Raj talk about trades, which, you know, unfortunately this is that time of year. Uh, but Raj, right. how are you holding up? Are, are you ready for that conversation? Um, how did you take in this game? Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I honestly missed the first half getting a new iPhone, which is a large, longer process. And I feel like it was going to be, um, going in there and trade, trade in your phone, but no, it was a great win. And, you know, I was kind of pushing, Obviously, I lean more glass. So you tra- you traded you traded your old point guard, right? Your old oh, no. point guard with with some yeah. more miles on it that oh, had that. some real high highs, no, and no, no. now I'm currently not, not looks like it has some 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 real low lows. And <laughs> you you traded it for an upgrade that can you know has a little higher floor, you know mm-hmm. maybe increases mm-hmm. your ceiling. That's what you no. just did this evening. I'm- I'm not doing that because that phone was terrible. 75% of it wasn't even working. Um, the guy at the Apple store was like, what did you do to this? I was like, I have no idea. It just started blacking out on the screen. Um, so, you know, when it got it, got a new iPhone. But no, this was great. The You know, the vibes are a little bit better. D-Lo's playing really well. They got a nice win against Chicago. And like I was saying, I lean more glass half full. Anthony, if you just take, I know this isn't how the world works, let alone basketball. But like, if you just, you know, if you just, cut out that brooklyn game in the middle of this you know stretch we've had a really good stretch you take out that brooklyn game they played really well they fought pretty violently against the clippers you had a nice you know game there without lebron you have you beat okc you beat dallas last week which feels like wins that have just been looked over those are like two big time wins with their guys kind of healthy um you beat them then you blow out uh the blazers which that was the most sad blowout win i think i've ever seen we didn't talk after that, but that felt like the most set. Usually you beat a team by 20 plus. Usually there's jumping around, there's high fives. What's the old Bill Bill Simmons take? Like a lot of, you know, a lot of a lot of clapping on the bench, a lot of waving towels and stuff like that. None of that. It looked like Dilo was sad as ever after a 35 point win. And Rui threw up the most sad Los Angeles you'll ever see. But then you blow out, you know, you blow out the Bulls tonight. So this nice little streak for the team for sure. I've developed the hiccups while I was talking. So the whole time you were talking, I was holding my breath to try to get rid of the hiccups. Um, I'm telling you, this is the worst flu season of my life. Avery goes Mm. to these, to the school. Raj, you're not a parent yet. 
But Avery no. uh, goes to the school and it has been like pouring rain basically all week. And every mm-hmm. day we pick her up and she is like soaking wet, like absolutely just doused in water. And I go and I talk to these teachers. I'm like, what are you doing with my daughter? It is freezing outside and she is like soaking wet. And, and everybody that I talk to, like we live in this cul-de-sac where a bunch of these kids go to the same uh, preschool as well. And they're all getting sick and they're all like taking turns getting sick. And you know, that that's part of preschool anyway. But when you add to it, the, the teachers like dumping them in rainwater in 40 degree weather. Assholes. But anyway, um, bunch of creeks around over there. Is that what it is? That what it so is? many creeks. It's just so many creeks. Yeah, it's just the one. But it's 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 a it's a nice creek right now. It's really brown with rainwater. But um, all right. So today, though, the Lakers beat the, the Chicago Bulls. And uh, the vibes throughout this one were a lot better than Mm -hmm. the one that you talked about, the game that you talked about, the Portland win that felt like a loss almost with the way that like (laughs) players were kind of walking around out there. I made note of it live when we were on all access Lakers. They're up 13 walking back to the locker room and everybody's kind of like, you know, here we go again. Got to listen to this guy talk again. Um, they were better in this one. D'Lo was playing his ass off at one point. It looked like he was going to challenge the Lakers three point record, which is actually really high because Kobe yeah. went nuts in one game. Um, and, uh, before the game you had Darvin Ham asked about the, uh, playoff lineup from last year, the, the, the starting lineup from last year's playoff run. Um, and, and he gave the excuse, Justin pointing out, right. Darvin said Prince plays for shooting. Bando closed for D. Austin had 20 points on seven of nine shooting, but got benched while Prince closed. LOL. I think LOL. You ever get those that like if you ever receive a text from somebody that is just LOL, you yeah. know you're in trouble. And I feel like Austin in describing being benched late in this game would have just been would have just texted LOL. You know, because it always arrives back at Tory and Prince. We'll, we'll talk more about this later, whatever. Um, but the the I want to I want to start with like the positives from this game because there were a lot. You know, yeah. D'Angelo Russell continues to play really really well. He finishes with twenty nine points on ten of eighteen shooting, eight of thirteen from three point range, one of two from the free throw line, four boards uh, or no four assists, one steal, one block. Um, only two turnovers was a plus seven in the game. You had uh, LeBron go for 25, 12 assists and four. I didn't even see 12 assists from LeBron. That's crazy. Um, 12 mm-hmm. assists from LeBron, four boards. He was a game high plus 14 tied with Reeves. Oh, hilariously. <laughs> uh, Torian Prince still plays his 30 minutes. Jared Vanderbilt played 27 minutes. Rui only played 19. Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought like for stretches of this game, this was the best that the Lakers, you know, could look, right? They were just absolutely mm-hmm. overwhelming offensively. And then to end the first half, you got a couple minutes of that uh of that playoff lineup. Yeah. And they go on a quick, you know, 12-0-9-0 run. It's kind of tough. NBA.com stats have have updated, but they don't feel quite right. Like the the numbers on it don't feel don't feel quite right. But according to those numbers right now, that lineup in a couple minutes 
had an offensive rating of 180 and a defensive rating of zero. I think that's pretty good. I think that's, that's okay. That That's not bad. The sad number in that, obviously, is the total amount of minutes, right? It's two minutes tonight. It's nine minutes on the season. Um, they played four games. No, like tonight was kind of the vision of this team. LeBron getting 12 assists is kind of par for the course on that, where he can kind of be more of a facilitator. D'Lo and Austin cooking from the outside. D'Lo just going insane. I think coming into tonight, D'Lo was shooting like 47% on his threes, which D'Lo's threes, Anthony, aren't like Torian. I hate using Torian Prince because it's such an easy kind of player to go at. But like, they're, they aren't like just spot up threes. Delos threes are off the dribble, off the bounce, off the pick and roll, drop coverage, you know, punishing drop coverage type of bigs. You should do like 40%, 47% on like eight attempts. That's going to somehow go up tonight because he hit like eight or eight or, eight or nine threes. He looks awesome. 13, yeah. Yeah. Austin and Delo, um, the pairing has kind of started to, to, to coalesce a lot better than, than they did in the earlier part of the season. I think Austin's kind of being able to kind of step back and let, you know, D'Lo and LeBron kind of take over a lot of those facilitating um, responsibilities. And he can kind of just fit in around that. And he can kind of be the third to fourth scorer as well. They're kind of uh, running stuff more through AD. AD's getting a lot more post-ups. AD's passing, I think, Anthony, is a huge reason also. Our offense is up. tonight. Six assists. And that's kind of been his floor, which is crazy. AD's floor being like six assists. He's not only getting double teams he's starting to manipulate them that's kind of when a star really becomes a superstar when yeah. they're not just reading they're not just reading defenses but abs- like manipulating them and kind of choosing where the defense is supposed to go and him and vando again pretty sadly but them they're having like a really nice chemistry as well vando's learning when to cut off ad vando's getting dunks he's getting and one dunks that aren't and ones vando was like having a tough time like catching the ball two weeks ago i think vando's resurgence has really helped the team as well so a lot of that it's kind of coming together. Um, Torian was the only minus in the starters, but like uh, everyone pretty much played, 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 played pretty well tonight. It was a nice like team, uh, team effort for sure against against the Bulls. Torian Prince tonight finishes with 14 points. He was five of eight from the field, four of seven from three point range, four boards, couple assists, couple steals, and like you mentioned, was a minus two on the night. A game in which the Lakers were up by 20 at various points, 20 plus mm-hmm. at various points, um, was a minus on the night, plays 30 minutes regardless, um, <laughs> and finished the game. And, you know, they they kind of zoomed in on on Austin there at the end when, when the game was being closed out and he yeah. wasn't in it. And he looked pretty pissed. And I think he was right to be pissed. Austin finished with 20 points, was a game high plus 14, tied for game high with LeBron. With a plus 14, he was 7 of 9 from the field, 2 of 3 from three-point range, 4 of 4 from the free-throw line, few boards, 8 assists, only one turnover. Um, was about as good an Austin game as you're going to get, you know? like Yeah. It seemed like he was playing, like, he was on fire throughout. Uh, it seemed like he really took the Caruso matchup personally, and then he gets benched down the stretch of it, and... This is why I would say, and, and you know, for those of you who are watching live on YouTube right now, you see the second point here. It's a perfect summary of the season. It's fucking there, man. Like, the Lakers' identity and the best version of this team is there. And they tap into it every so often. And every time they tap into it, it is overwhelming. And you get these stares from this team, the other team that they're playing against, these like million mile stairs of like, how 
how do we score on all of this? Oh shit, they're scoring too? Like they're mm-hmm. knocking down threes too? And no, like it it as soon as we start liking it, halftime happens, right? We get a two-minute <laughs> taste of that lineup from last year where they go on an immediate run and you have all the momentum in the world. Momentum, by the way, that they built on to start the second half. And we don't see that lineup again. And you mm-hmm. and, and Raj, like we talked, we were on the all access Lakers stream tonight, as we are uh every, as I am every weeknight, as you guys are uh every game. And um, you know, we were talking about the fact that it was Andy Kamenetsky who asked Darwin specifically about that lineup. And uh A, kudos to Brian or to, to uh, Andy for asking that question. Um, it's a question that probably should have been asked earlier. We have gone too far into the season. It has felt like a conscious decision by the coaching staff to not utilize that lineup. And that's a weird conscious decision to make coming off of a run to the Western Conference Finals. So he gets asked that question. We talked about the dynamic between beat reporter and head coach especially. And normally a beat reporter won't ask that question because it does feel in a certain way like you're questioning the basketball acumen of the head coach. And normally that's why they'll avoid asking such a direct question. Fortunately, Andy isn't your typical beat reporter. He, um, Mm. you know, he and Brian will come and go from these games or whatever. Um, They do have access to the team because of, you know, ESPN LA and the amount of work that they have done covering this team. But he doesn't like travel with the team. He doesn't have to talk to Darwin every single day. And so that's why you arrive at a point where he is the one asking this question, I think, anyway. And mm. and and so it finally gets asked. We finally get a look at this group. They go on a run, and you're thinking, cool, great. We're going to see more of that, right? Nope. And it's just it's such a perfect like summary of what has frustrated these players so much this year. And Austin specifically, where he's the guy who winds up getting benched by Torian, because as I reported earlier this year, People within the Lakers' own walls are saying, "Man, Darvin doesn't seem to fuck with Austin in the way that you would think he would." <laughs> and 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 by the way, everything that I've reported about this, the 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 that the dynamic, the locker room, all of that stuff has been further reported by traditional media and stuff. And we arrive here at this game that again should have been, Raj, you and I should be talking right now about like a thirty-point blowout where everybody feels mm-hmm. great. But no, we are right back here talking about this bullshit again because the head coach just can't seem to get out of his own way. Well, the only like just to play a little bit of an advocate, I think that uh, the reason mainly Austin got benched tonight was because of the closeouts. Like the two, I think he had yeah. two terrible closeouts offense. But look, I mean, you can debate whether that's the good reasoning against a bench. Maybe I have never third. seen Torian Prince close out poorly in my life. <laughs> it has never happened. Oh, it's definitely uh, yeah, but like um, but like I'm not sure this is a good reason to bench your third most important kind of player on this team. Um, but I think like Darwin kind of benches on defense strangely. Um, but then he like leans offense like with his starters, right? Like we we had this full portion of the season where D'Lo and Austin couldn't play together. Um, and then D'Lo, Austin, and Torian couldn't play together. But now the, all three of them are back in the starting lineup. The minutes distribution, I mean, it's it, it comes and goes in terms of where, where the critiques are. You look at Rui's minutes, though, Anthony, 19 minutes in like a blowout loss. You know what I mean? And this is with, you know, without Cam Reddish playing well, as well. Cam, Red- yeah, yeah, Cam Reddish is out, and, and Rui Hachimura still can't 
touched 19 minutes. It's strange. I'm not sure why. Uh, I think Darwin got asked earlier in the season as well and, and just like went to injuries. But I think Vando's starting to really play really well. And I think there just needs to be balance with those lineups. And tonight, you know, the Lakers put up 140. And they're going to, you know, you're going to win a lot of games where you put up 140, gave up 130 and kind of a pickup style offense. I think just Vando gives it a nice balance. And Vando's minutes are starting to increase a bit. He's gone up from that like 12, 13 to like 19, kind of 20 minute range. And you can see his health is getting better. His cutting is so much more aggressive and purposeful. His offensive rebounding, his dives on the floors, all that stuff hopefully leads to more minutes. Um, yeah, it's strange. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, you have all the trade stuff that's going around. You have Delo's kind of situation, and then you know you get Austin benched in a moment. You could tell. Um, we were talking about the vibes from the Portland game, where you can kind of tell that the uh, players weren't super excited after a blowout win. And you could tell tonight Austin was pretty upset, which he should be. A player with that's competitive, you want them upset in those moments. I just. I'm not sure that's the right time to bench your, you know, third most important guy, um, especially when it's for. I think we closed with Torian and Bando, I believe, or was it was the closing unit with with D'Lo, LeBron, and AD. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, very, 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 very strange. Hopefully, hopefully the vibes get get better after a few more wins. Yeah, I the way that I would kind of look at this and, and look like you know, um, Nasher. Yes, Austin had those two dumb fouls uh, that swung momentum in the game. I don't know if I would say it swung momentum. I thought, like, if you want to say it swung momentum, sure. But it's not like Torian came in and, and like, re-swung it back in the other direction, right? <laughs> um, and, and again, like, this is a guy that you are hoping, and, and actually, this is um, Wilson making this comment. I get that last year's starting lineup failed against Denver, but this year is different. LeBron's healthy. AD is playing great out of the post. D'Lo is playing both sides of the ball. New five-out offense, blah, blah, blah. Um, Essentially, like, the idea coming into the season was, yeah, we saw that group struggle against Denver in that series, but hopefully we can build on that concept, on those concepts, and, and, you know, get better internally while maintaining that continuity right that was the whole point of the season that was the end goal for this season and um you know when when that group plays to this point what you what did you say they played nine Nine minutes minutes together this year in four games um Mm -hmm. yeah like that's just you can't accomplish anything you can't learn anything with that small of a sample size and the fact that you now have um you know, reporters asking directly about this lineup and you have Darwin saying like, yeah, it's a button that, you know, we, we, we can't wait to push. What's stopping you from pushing the button, Darwin? <laughs> J- Jared Vanderbilt's been healthy for a couple weeks now, you know, yeah. um, D'Lo and Austin are playing great together in ways that they weren't playing great together at the beginning of the season. Like it's, it's staring at you right there. They finally get their opportunity. And, and again, like the point, the point that I really think needs to be hammered home here. And I know that this is a lot of like body language reading, which involves a lot of confirmation bias and all of those things. But when those guys were out there, they were flying around the court in passing lanes, closing outs, rebounding, getting out in transition, just looking thoroughly overwhelming in the way mm-hmm. that they looked overwhelming in a run. Like we always, we think, run to the Western conference finals. And that's like, 
the point that gets made about the, the those those guys. But those guys also were a part of a group that fought their way into the play-in. Yeah, won their play-in game, won their first round of the uh, of the playoffs, won their second round of the playoffs, and then yeah, they got swept in 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 the Western Conference Finals by Denver. But I do think like like Denver shot out of their absolute freaking mind there, and it was still like. I hate saying this like a close sweep or whatever. And, and but yeah. like the, the notion, the notion was that, all right, this is what you guys could do with very little, if any margin for error, let's see what you guys can build on that and see what that looks like. And it's just been ignored all year. And again, I keep going back to, and I don't want to make it sound like I know who the sourcing is for the athletics piece, but I keep going back to the fact that they had six sources. They specify that they had six sources. And it's six members of the core from last year who have been yanked mm-hmm. around um, other than LeBron and AD. Uh, but you have four other members of that core from last year's team that have been yanked around all season. Rui plays 19 minutes in this one. Vanderbilt, we've been asking, is he on a minutes restriction all year? Austin, mm-hmm. in and out of the starting lineup. D'Lo, in and out of the starting lineup. The only person who has a consistent role is Torian Prince. He's only making four and a half million bucks. He can't be that important a, a part of your organization. And the way that I've I've framed it to other people that I've spoken to is like, yeah, the Lakers are a 500 team. A, you are going to be a 500 team if Torian Prince is playing 30 minutes a night. And it's not because like Torian Prince is a bad player. It's because if you're relying on Torian Prince to the tune of 30 minutes a night, you are going to put a ceiling on yourself. And I thought that tonight the Lakers were right there banging on that glass ceiling. Just like, just like, like they had their, they had their hammers out and they were like banging on that glass ceiling. And there was Darwin on the other side of the glass ceiling, making sure that it didn't vibrate too much because God forbid Torian Prince doesn't play his 30 minutes. And it's just, it's just so maddening to watch this head coach continue to hold this franchise back as Adrian Griffin gets fired, as Wes Unseld gets fired. And as other teams are in, and other teams are holding their coaches to account, except the Lakers. The Lakers will not because because that is not something that apparently can happen in this organization right now. <laughs> so I haven't watched I haven't watched this show shockingly, but like it reminded me of um Saved by the Bell, which again I've never seen, but like I think it's okay. kind of like that where we're like it's right about to be halftime. You know, we're getting like the best yeah. moment that we've ever seen. It was like this. Uh, it looked like LeBron had an extra pep in his step as well. Like they were like, to your point so of z- the. He like LeBron. I don't know how many times LeBron has basically like he's used the phrase or hinted at the phrase building on success, right? Yeah, building on success, you know, stacking wins, stacking successes, all these things. And 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 like it just doesn't resonate for some reason with the yeah. coaching staff. Building on success, what's the ultimate success that this organization has enjoyed in the last couple of years? It's reaching the Western Conference Finals, coming out of nowhere to do so, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like the fact that they even went on that run was kind of miraculous. And that's like the high point of the last couple of years for this organization. That's the success that you stack on. The way that you stack on that success is to go back to the lineup, the guys that got you there. And those guys are pissed and have been pissed all season because they aren't being relied upon in the way that they should be. Yeah, and you know what people miss about that run was LeBron missed the like final month of that season as well. So it was kind of yeah. on the back of 
you know, Vando, uh, Austin, D'Lo, obviously Dennis Schroeder was a big part of that. Even AD was playing hurt. Yeah, and AD was on like one one leg as well, kind of kind of uh, carrying the team. But I think like we also like don't remember. I think Darwin has just like I remember with Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel, like no matter who the big man was, no matter how terrible DeAndre Jordan was, Frank Vogel was like, I gotta have a big man in there. Like I gotta have yeah. like a rim protecting center. Like Frank Vogel, DeAndre Jordan is not protecting any basket right now. <laughs> but you know, like it's it's fine. Like you gotta have your yeah. big man in there. I think Darwin like needs that, you know, like spot up shooter. Like I, I remember he just kept starting Malik Beasley when it was so clear Austin was just so much better. And he was, yeah. it got to the point where Malik Beasley had to shoot like 15% from three and yeah. not guard anybody for Austin to finally reclaim that starting lineup because it was D'Lo and Beasley to start for a long time. And then after like Beasley's ninth missed open three, who of course is hitting everything in Milwaukee. At least I think he was. Um, and then Austin kind of started. So yeah, the lineup stuff is is confusing. I would love to just know the butterfly effect, like another movie I've never seen, but like the butterfly effect of Vando being healthy to start. You know, the it's year. originally a book, right? It was. Oh, okay. I just like, I like it was, was a... well, it, like the the concept of the butterfly effect was in a book, and then it oh. got turned into a movie or whatever. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. never heard of the book and never seen the movie, so. <laughs> <laughs> I've just heard of the phrase in terms of how one thing can impact another without directly uh-huh. being uh, uh, about each other. But anyway, like I would love to know if Vado never gets hurt that first preseason game, like in Golden State, how different this team kind of morphs together. I think coaches like because if you remember, he got hurt in that first preseason game, and obviously training camp kind of starts then, right? So coaches start to implement their stuff then. I would love to know kind of what happens if he doesn't start there, but it feels like. Torian and Cam, and I don't know. I mean, the Lakers aren't the only team that does this in the league. I just would have believed this is something they do. Probably promise Torian a starting spot to take probably less than Torian's market value, and then probably promise Cam Reddish a certain amount of minutes in terms of role um, from the team. Yeah. So I'm sure like both of those guys have kind of promises that were that were made before the season. But I would just love to know because I think we have a wing, Anthony, and I don't like to put it in these terms because I'm not that like that's not how I view just the league in basketball, but you have a $17 million wing getting spot minutes a night. And you have a $13 million wing getting spot minutes a night. Like I like you're and you're paying, you're playing starting rotation minutes to minimum to a little bit above minimum wings. And it's just like, it's, it's strange in terms of the talent that, that you have on the team and how it's being dispersed minute wise is, is very strange. and something that I'd certainly like have issue and like disagree with, um, but again, like from Darwin's perspective, this is what the team started with. And I'm not about to change like what I do. I, we've kind of hit a rhythm. We're starting to make shots um, and I'm going to stick with it. So I, like I, I see what he's doing. I just I, I disagree with it for sure. So. Here's what I'll say. And I'm going to be careful with the words that I use here, because the last time that I wasn't, it got turned into like. Austin hates Darwin or Darwin hates Austin. Mm. That's, a, that's that's not what I'm going to do here. Um, Darwin's coaching philosophies as a head coach are heavily predicated on his past experiences as an assistant coach. And sure. um, that's not out of the ordinary. That's how this usually goes. Um, you have to build on experiences from somewhere. And in Darwin's case, he has a lot of experience as a as an assistant coach that he is he is looking to build on here, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
Torian Prince played on a Darvin Ham assisted coaches t- uh, coached team in Atlanta, and Darvin really liked what we saw, what what he saw from Torian there, right? Um, when Darvin was in Milwaukee, Cam Reddish played really well against the Bucks in I th- believe it was the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and so you have, you know, Darwin sees those guys in a certain light because of his own experience, you know, seeing them in, in the way that he saw them. You look at like the signings that the Lakers have made with their two-way contracts this year, Dylan Windler, right? Um, one of the notes that was made after they signed him was, well, Darwin's son has watched Dylan up close. And that is going to be some of the feedback that he probably has liked. And then um, Skylar Mays played really well against the Lakers earlier this year. And so, like, it almost doesn't matter what guys do for him on this team when apparently, you know, the picture that he has, the image that he has of these players is more dependent upon those past experiences and he's refused to move off of them. Um, I'll use an example. Uh, no, I won't. I won't use that example because I, I don't want to get that person in trouble, but essentially like there was a role player on this team that, uh, that ham kind of told, all right, we see you in this way. And it was based off of a role player from Milwaukee that this current role player is nothing at all like. And Mm. that role player kind of walked away from that conversation. Like, um, have you watched me play, you know? And, and like when you arrive at, at these situations here where like you scratch your head because of the decisions that Darwin makes, it's because of this like fallacy that he has ingrained in his brain on, on how to coach these guys based off of his own past experiences without taking any new information into account. You would think that the experience last year of that run to the Western Conference Finals would supersede any of these things, but for some reason it hasn't. And he's refused to acknowledge that Austin is actually playing better now than he was at the beginning of the year that Jared Vanderbilt is now healthier than he was at the beginning of the year, but it hasn't happened that Rui, by the way, has done everything that the Lakers have asked of him. You you look at his numbers and you're like, why isn't this guy playing more? You know? Mm -hmm. And, 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 and here we've, here we sit waiting for this head coach to take his hands out of his pockets and press play on the current tape to see what like the better, the more talented players are actually capable of. That's why I'm so reluctant to say that this should be a lost season. Cause I do truly believe in this. I, I do think there's enough talent on this roster to make a very serious run, you know? Yeah. And, and, and yet we won't, I don't think get it so long as ham remains the head coach of the Lakers. Oh yeah, like just I feel like also sometimes because I some of the decision making is very questionable to where I just wonder if there's other you know political stuff that goes on because because head coaches obviously have a million other things they also have to juggle right it's not just the lineups and the rotations they have 
players and locker rooms to kind of be cognizant of. You always hear about this where like there's a rookie that's probably better than like, a lot of players. Every player has a podcast somehow now, uh, but like a lot of players talk about this to where, you know, sometimes a rookie is better, but like just in terms of a locker room phase, um, they can't, you know, they just can't uplift that guy over another veteran or something like that. But this one doesn't really have that, which is the part that's strange. And Austin has kind of talked about how he and AD, or LeBron and AD have kind of talked about it. Austin has really gone into their trust circle just on the floor. And that's what's so strange about this, Anthony. Like, does did the team not or did Darwin not believe in the playoff run as much as I guess other people did? Like, I, I just sometimes I question that in terms of just how things have shook out and in terms of the rotations like I think Rui's played really well I I, would, I think like one of my biggest Darwin kind of uh critiques is I feel like Rui should have plays run for him he should have an yeah. offense that's dedicated kind of not to run through him but like plays that are dedicated for him to be an advantageous situation it there's times where like when I rewatch a game like you can just watch Rui's minutes for three minutes and he'll run just I call it baseline to baseline like he'll just run corner to corner to corner to corner. I'm like that's just terrible utilization of Rui Hachimura um and after you know in the playoffs it wasn't just spot up threes the threes got all the recognition it was the attacking Memphis in the post and stuff like that so just like yeah. schematic things that other people have spoke on to are, are struggling with him but also Darwin still you know second year coach you hope that there's like these are also just bumps in the road that you have to go through i'm sure like this is darvin's first year with expectations right last year with russ it was kind of make of it what you will and just get to that trade deadline and then it was all hands on like hands on the wheel we have to win every game type of urgency and stuff like that that uh this team just hasn't shown yet and this team's still like to your point this team's ahead of where last team's year last team's team was this team has way more talent than that team did at least the start of the year this team has way more continuity at least it's supposed to it has more pieces that should fit together correctly you have more talent like it's strange that they're struggling so much um with lebron and ad continuing to play every game um so we'll see if darvin kind of switches that up i'm not on the fire darvin yet i just I, i'm not there yeah i know a lot of people have right up arrived at that station I see the bus coming to try to pick me up. I'm like, oh, I'll take the next train. You know, I'll take the next one. Up <laughs> on this one just yet, um, because I saw, I saw we. You're me, like you you're looking a... Ubers, right? They're like kind of right, circling yeah. around you. You're like, ah, I can wait. I'll wait another. It's like no. it's like surcharge prices right now. So I was like, I don't know, I'll take this Uber. You were quite quite yet, but me and you, <laughs> me me and you did podcasts after every almost every playoff game and we spoke about Darwin's adjustments and like the schematic things he was doing and the, you know, lineups that like him removing Malik Beasley completely from the rotation was a correct decision in the playoffs. Yeah. And that's a tough thing to do for a guy making, I think Beasley was making like $11 million a year yeah. and was starting to start the year, the adjustments in the warrior series of who to put Vando on, how to kind of deploy AD by putting him on Wiggins and having him be the help guy, how to take Steph out from pick and rolls or, you know, like I thought his adjustments were, like pretty spot on during the playoff series. And it's strange for a player to kind of, for a coach, I'm sorry, to kind of step back in terms of their progress. Like I, I know progress isn't linear, but for a coach, it's usually kind of, they're supposed to be better in their second year, not worse. And and Darvin's had a worse second year than rookie one, one for sure. It's just, it's sad. And I'm hoping that he can still kind of grow since he's on a four year deal. I think four or five, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, Darvin is missing some pieces from this year's coaching staff that he had last year. 
and I think mm. that's worth pointing out. Um, sure. I also kind of have spent some time this year wondering if the amount of support and trust he has from Rob and from Jeannie mm -hmm. has kind of gone to his head and um, made him almost like a lesser communicator when that used to be a strength. Um, I don't know, man. I, 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 you know, we could find, I, I could run through any rabbit hole of theories that I could throw together on, on, on Darwin's coaching this year. But at the end of the day, like all that matters is that I think you and I and anybody watching would walk away from this season and say like, yeah, he's, he's not a very good head coach this year. And that's mm -hmm. all that really matters. Like yep. the reasoning, how he arrived here, or how we get here, that doesn't matter so much. All that, and, and, and this is where, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Raj, we're going to have to segue here because we're going <laughs> to talk about trades. Sure. But the reason all of this matters is because no matter what changes the Lakers make to their roster, it's still going to be Darvin, you know, putting the chess pieces wherever he's going to put them, you know? Does he know that a knight can jump over a pawn? Does he know? Like, does he know about all the all, all, all the all the tricks that that a, a a a that you can employ in a chess match? You know. And, oh, that was and, a chess um, reference. I was I was so lost. I pictured a knight jumping over like a pond of water. I was like, what are you what are you talking about? You're talking about chess. You've okay. played chess before, right? Like, yes, I know? played chess. Yes, I just okay. I just did. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my wife and I, we play, we play chess every so often. She didn't, I grew up playing chess. She did not. And okay. I'm not going to lie. It was like a top five moment for me in our relationship. We wow. were playing one night and I beat her in four moves. I checkmated her in four moves. And um, okay. like to this day, she's going to be angry when she finds out that I told, I said this on the air. Um, I'll show you, I'll show you, I'll diagram out how you can do that. Okay. Um, if you guys are chess people, but you can actually do that. And, and I did mm. it. It was like a top five moment. She and I've been together. It'll be 20 years this upcoming June. It's a top five moment. And I have <laughs> two kids and we got married. So it's like... <laughs> number four right there. <laughs> well... <laughs> Sorry, Miles. Um, but no, it, it, <laughs> so uh <laughs> yeah, I the the this is the question I wanted to ask you, Raj, is hey. you know, we've been talking a lot about like the names and we've been talking a, a lot about the options that the Lakers can have. And I can pull up my substack and I can I can pull up the list of names of guys that the Lakers have checked in on. And yeah. um it, in the back of my mind, there's this really annoying little voice saying, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they do. He's uh -huh. still the coach. So like, where do you, where do you land on? Like, is that a concern for you? It, has his coaching been so bad this year that you are reluctant to pull the trigger to upgrade this roster? Well, just really quickly on your previous point about, you know, Darwin and yes. like his, <laughs> his, his, yeah, chess, right? That's, yeah, yeah. just commenting on the, the great game, board game. Um, What's it called? Yeah, like if my, just quick point on the Darwin feeling safe 
uh, with Jeannie and Rob, like that would that would be foolish, right? Like this is the nicest way I can put that. Like in terms of Darwin sees the league. I mean, Adrian Griffin got fired at 30 and 13. That's just, that was the second best record in the league. And, yeah. uh, and anyone who was watching Milwaukee would tell you eh, it's kind of deserved, which is crazy, which is, which is insane. But like, that's the, like, that was the view of, of, uh, of Milwaukee. We just had the Washington wizards head coach, um, get, uh, got fired upwards somehow like in, in some way where he's now in the well in the not, front really. Office. not really okay well he's gonna he's gonna like he's gonna have a red stapler in the basement you know is, is oh you don't you don't you never watched office space i'm guessing like oh the office like the or... no, office space was a movie oh, oh no there's a movie called no. office space okay. no <laughs> I've seen The Office episodes of The Office. No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I no, but there's there's a movie called Office Space where okay. there's a character who like they keep he's like remains employed, but he hadn't received a check in forever, and he okay. has this like red state. People who were listening and watching live know what we're talking about, and okay. unfortunately, okay. like you you're the one person involved with the show right now who does not. But Wes Ansel. Okay. Did not get a promotion. He is like, they told him to go away for a little bit. Uh, okay. Well, he has a name on a some door somewhere in the in the wizards <clears throat> in the wizards facility. Um. So no, like I think Darwin understands. Like, there's he's coaching year to year. At least he should understand. Like, and and it's just how not even the Lakers. That's just how coaching in in the NBA pretty much works. You could win a title, and I think the last three coaches who won a title were all let go, besides Steve Kerr, who I in my belief is coaching his last season with, um, with golden state, but no, that's definitely a concern of mine. I also think like the team has to weigh the options of what's the talent upgrade. If, you know, if it's worth it, what, if it's worth giving first round picks, but you know, Darwin's coaching definitely is concerning. Like I, I was joking or half heart, haphazardly with you about Gordon Hayward a few weeks ago. Like would he even start over Torian? would he even play over Torian Prince, which I think it needs to be a real conversation. And this isn't like, particular to Darwin, like a lot of front offices will do trades. I think part of the Patrick Beverly trade was the Lakers were tired of seeing him start. So they just went and traded him for a big man that really did not play. Like he played like, a, and Darwin obviously did not want Mo Bamba because you could tell the way he played him. Mo Bamba got spot minutes, even when he was healthy. And then he got hurt yeah. and was, was, um was off the team. And his, uh, obviously his option wasn't picked up. So yeah, it's definitely, a concern again like this is with the like just connecting the playoff stuff with the players i feel like you kind of have to do that with the coaching too in terms of like i saw enough in the playoffs where like it's still in there there's a good coach in there it just has not uh surfaced during the regular season and i'm like not sure why and darvin has given very uh like he's he's given very general answers when like i want particular details in terms of, like what are you seeing what besides just the spacing and um, like the defense of Cam Reddish, I would like a little bit more like details, which I, I'm not sure he's willing to give, but yeah, it's, it, it is concerning, especially the players that you're looking to get, which aren't Anthony hand and glove fits, right? Like these are players that need to be put in correct situations. I, I'm a big yeah. fan of, we'll, we'll get into the trade stuff, but I'm a big fan of like DeJounte Murray. I'm a big fan of like, well, I don't think Bruce Brown is, is coming anymore, but um, like, uh, but like these are players that need to be, fit into correct roles go ask atlanta how hard it is to like fit Dejounte around their star 
guard who needs the ball? Like, th- these are real questions that, like, need to be answered and hopefully are discussed before you just make these talent grab moves of, of guys that don't fit so seamlessly, which the sad part is D'Lo and, like, Austin and Vanderbilt, and Austin obviously was here, but, like, those fit seamlessly. Like, they came in from the trade, in, trade deadline, and they fit, like, super, like, they they uh, they uh fit really well with each other um right after the trade which which is which is sad that you have to go and do another kind of big bold move which was the hope that this offseason you wouldn't have to do that you'd be able to just build on the margins and it feels like you know we're we're going getting to that point we're going to have some big trade here at the deadline but i'm definitely cognizant of that cognizant of that but i think they've kind of put their uh put all their eggs in the darwin basket at least for this season and like if you do if you're going to do that which i i do believe they did then you have LeBron and AD still rocking here. Um, LeBron at his age and AD's at his health. I think you still have to be aggressive, no matter what you what you think of the coach, which which is a tough conversation. But I I think that's what they they should and have to do. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you still have to make whatever like the front office still has to do its job, and yep. just like the players have to do their job, and you know, just like Giannis will say that the equipment manager has to do their job you know at the end of the day everybody has to do has to be stars in their roles and hope that all of it comes together and meshes in a way that leads to legitimate success and i think that is um the way that they're going to go about this this trade deadline it it look <clears throat> i think rob actually believes in darvin you know, I know that I've mm. I've I've uh, reported and theorized on the notion of Rob and Jeannie's belief in Darwin being born being born more out of like necessity and self preservation than of actual belief. But I do think that you know somewhere in there, like you, he sees a good coach in there somewhere, and it's just a matter of like getting back to whatever happened last year that led to Darwin being that kind of, um, you know, you know, push, he pushed a lot of like correct buttons last year, right? Like that Lonnie, the the, the Lonnie Walker stretch, he came out of nowhere where like, you know, that, that series was going kind of haywire and you go to Lonnie, Lonnie plays out of his mind in that game four. And, and, you know, nobody saw that coming. And, you know, Darwin had this like kind of indelible understanding of that roster last year and of the guys and of how they would re- react to various moments or whatever. And he, and he, and, and, and I think that was born of communication. I think it was born of, you know, confidence and them feeling confidence in him. And I just don't think that we've seen it this year. And I, I don't know what it would take to get him back to that level of, you know, operating at that high level again, but they need to, they, they desperately need him to. Well, I think, I think one of the bigger issues that I have just like, we can break down schemes and lineups, but is there like a separation between which this is a bigger issue to me than the stuff we talked is, is there a separation between the front office and the coach in terms of where they align? You just spoke about the Lonnie Walker game. We just let Lonnie, Lonnie walk in the summer. Like I know he like had some offers with us, but and we just decided not to give him the raise on that. I just like, I, is there a separation to me? Because this does not, at least the season that's gone on so far, it does not look like a front office and 
coaching staff were aligned in a lot of these decisions, right? Like I'm sure Darwin wanted Dennis back, but instead but he like got that's, Gabe. that's the that's the funny thing is because essentially the way that I've I've had it kind of described to me is that you have these various departments that you know mm -hmm. these various scouting departments you have a a draft scouting department you have a sure. international scouting department you have an nba scouting department you have a lakers scouting department you know and they all compile all of this data they combine they 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 communicate and they they talk to to rob and they pass all this information on him and essentially he and darvin kind of go into a room and make some of these decisions you know and so i don't know how they wouldn't be in lockstep if that is actually the case but you know and, and the minutes and, and the minutes haven't told that though like you don't you i don't know give, I'm, I'm i'm not i'm not i i agree with you raj if i if i no, didn't yeah. have that information behind me i For would sure. be asking the same question but i i you know i and and again that's where that's why i you know was asking that question in my in that piece for substack why where is this belief in darvin actually born from is it born out of necessity or is it actually born out of belief having had these conversations with him and um you know because if you have taken in his input and if darvin has if his fingerprints are on this roster it makes no sense whatsoever how he has utilized this roster it doesn't yeah yeah, that yeah, that that's the that's the part that struggle that I struggle with to to find out as well. And I just go back to, and I think this is what this is what I believe, like not source anything. What I believe Darwin is kind of holding dear to is we played our best during the in season tournament, and I started the season off with Torian Prince, D'Lo, and Austin. And like I'm going to continue to go with that. I, that's what I base my training camp on. I did a whole five-out system, which was kind of based on the shooting ability of Torian, D'Lo, and Austin. Austin struggled struggled shooting to start, and I'm going to continue to play these guys when my other two like ball handlers are smaller guards or like they're guards that, that get picked on defensively. I need a defensive wing out there, and I need spacing. And I think he's gone. He's obviously outstretched Torian's ability. I mean, like I, I just like as much as we rag on Torian, I think a lot of it is just him being. Uh, put in position to uh, play minutes that he's obviously not ready for. I was looking at his minutes distribution, Anthony, recently. Minnesota, I think he was playing like 20 to 22 minutes a game, and like that jumps to like 30 this season. You know, this just he's just not been a 30-minute player um, in his career, and I think that has just effects on him, not just with his shooting, with his defense. He's not a good rebounder, um, and I think that's where Vando – and the front office saw this as well. They gave Vando I – always, I always bring this point up – they gave Vando a four-year, what, 40, like 44, 45 million dollar deal for a guy who can't shoot, can't really dribble, can't really finish inside. Like, you know how good you have to be at the other things to he get that. He made a right-handed layup tonight, and I lost my mind. <laughs> you did. You really did. You you hyped it like crazy. I thought he dunked on somebody, but um, yeah, like that. You know how good you have to be at the other stuff, and that's their, that's the Lakers' talent eva evaluation going. This is a guy that we believe in. We want to invest in. This, the talent evaluation went to Rui Hachimura, and we they said we're going to give you four years, fifty-four million. That's over the the average salary of the NBA. Like that, those are like real investments. Four-year deals are no joke. 
how many times in the last few years, Anthony, have we been like, can we give guys more than a year? Can we give them two yeah. at please? Just like, can we keep good players? We gave two guys four year deals who struggle to get on the court with our best players. They yeah. struggle to get on the court with our best players. Vando's played nine nine minutes in his most idealized role, where he gets to just be the runaround energy motor high energy guy that he was paid to be. This is what Vanda was paid to be. Not to play next to Christian Wood and like in our second unit. Um and Rui Hachimura is I'm sure yeah, like you put uh truth serum, which sounds like a scary thing to ever have to take. But like to if you give truth serum to like Rui Hachimura, like what do you have to do to get minutes? Probably doesn't know. Probably is unsure. He's like I'm I have no clue. And that's a that's a tough place to be for your wing. So um yeah, it's it's it's, it's a very strange situation. I'm hopeful that Darwin has like a plan. Like there's this, this these are things that are part of his checklist in terms of trying to get to a certain point that he has in mind. But it's definitely confounding and, and confusing so far for sure. So, yeah. What what is what does it look like when a player doesn't know what it takes to get onto the court? <laughs> um. Yeah. All right, let's really quickly. Uh, I'm going to race through what I know here heading into the mm -hmm. weekend, and um, uh, you know, it is a big weekend, right? One of the final ones before the trade deadline. The Lakers have some big decisions to make here. Um, I'll start with Dejounte Murray, and uh, say that the Lakers and Hawks are still kind of at a standstill right now because the Hawks are demanding Austin Reeves. And the Lakers do not want to give up Austin Reeves. Um, the Hawks are basically saying, like, okay, well, we don't really want D'Lo either. And the Lakers are trying to find a third team that would take on D'Lo. But with the way that D'Lo is playing, you know, the hope is that the price that it would take for some other team to take on D'Lo would be lowered. Um, it's not even it's not even that like Orlando doesn't think D'Lo would help. It's that Orlando or Brooklyn sees an opportunity to get some extra stuff from the Lakers because of how desperate they are to trade for DeJounte Murray. So I know that a lot of people will see like, you know, oh, D'Lo's value isn't where it needs to be around the league. When And, and I think there's some of that because his contract is kind of tricky here moving forward. He has that player option. That like if he accepts that player option, if he if he opts into that player option, something probably went went wrong. Otherwise, you have to pay the guy, so it kind of makes it kind of tricky for him. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, and I think far more importantly, whether it's Brooklyn, whether it's Orlando, whoever it is, they see an opportunity to get some extra stuff from the Lakers as they try to bring in Dejounte Murray. Um, if you're wondering, Hey, what is, what comes next? Well, it depends on what goes out the door for Jajante Murray, you know? And, and, um, as far as names that the Lakers are interested or player types that the Lakers are interested beyond Murray, like their first priority is handling this point guard situation here. And then from there, you know, they know they need to add shooting um, they know that they probably need to upgrade their, their backup center spot. And, uh, I do think that they would like to add some muscle. I'm told to deal with some of the matchups that they will face in these playoffs. Most notably Nikola Jokic. I think 
that can we, that can it, we get there first? Have, can we can we get yeah. to Jokic first? Like you know what I mean? I think I think that's that's a that's a tough thing to kind of plan for because I don't think there's anyone you you're gonna get that that is gonna help you like defend Jokic. But just really quickly on Dejounte, I th- I think it's fascinating. Obviously, you know you went through the uh, the kind of trade machinations of what they're thinking of. Atlanta, Anthony is eighteen and twenty six, so they're kind of they're losing leverage every day, right? Kind of on yeah. in, on their side in terms of yeah, we can just keep this together. It looks pretty. And on top of that, like the market for Murray hasn't been good. Yeah, which is which is like Murray fits. If I was going to trade D'Lo, which it just looks like it's going to happen in terms of his contract situation, Murray checks all the I get the most boxes. He doesn't check all of them, but he checks the most yeah. in terms of. Less than he's not 30 yet, right? So he's still in his prime. Um, you get a defensive guard um, with ball handling skills. You have a guy who can shoot off the dribble. Um, it's still not a super clean fit, fit in terms of like his um, off-ball ability. He doesn't run off screens. Isn't a guy you can run off picks or stuff like that. He, he's a good pick-and-roll guard, but he's more of a pick-and-roll guard in terms of he – he assists after he kind of the defense takes away his scoring. He's not really like a manipulating defensive assisting guard. So you kind of lose a little bit of playmaking, but I think he fits all the boxes. I worry about the stuff that goes out for him for sure. I, I just, Anthony, I have a hard time. I'm going to ask you this in terms of the people you spoke to. How does Atlanta feel about what they gave up for Murray and what their return would be? Right. That's my biggest question with that. It, it takes two to tango in, real life and in trades like i just i i i'm like concerned in terms of what i'm sure atlanta wants to get as as much back as they gave up and they gave up three first round picks for Dejounte murray that san antonio is now smiling ear to ear with because of how this has played out but how how do you i guess separate that from their present in terms of how terrible they are and their sense it seems like sense of urgency to to move Dejounte currently it's um it's kind of complicated, you know, it's so for, first and foremost, I think it's why they got close on a deal. And then Atlanta mm. basically said, ah, now we want Austin is because of, you know, the cost of, of bringing in Murray in the first place. Yeah. But I also don't think that Atlanta wants to fall victim to the sunken cost fallacy, you know, and, mm. and, um, you know, with a lot of their guys, right? Like I, I just had Brad Roland on the show earlier this week, and he talked about the, the the guys that they have held on to a little too long, and the you know the 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 opportunity cost and the lost assets that came with not trading that player early enough, right? John Collins at one point was going to cost like four first rounders, you know, it, it looked like mm. you know and. And then now, all of a sudden, uh, this last summer, he goes for like a bag of Skittles, like melted, warm, tropical fruit Skittles, like not even the original good flavors. Like it's just like that, <laughs> that bad bag of Skittles. Yeah. And they want to avoid that, I think, here with DeJounte Murray. So, um, yeah, it, 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 you know, I thought Brad actually did a very good job on the show uh, yesterday explaining some of those machinations and some of those uh the implications of 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 moving murray and of trying to rebuild this airplane while it's still in flight and it's Mm -hmm. a very complicated it's a very like narrow 
series of holes that you have to thread here with this needle or whatever. And, and, and we'll see if they're able to do it. Uh, the vast majority of teams in the history of the NBA and professional sports have not been able to do that. And they wind up having to trade Murray anyway, but they're yeah. going to give this a go. And, um, you know, I think for them, I think they're looking at this, like the player that we can flip right now and get the most for is DeJounte Murray. And I think that's why you're seeing them hold on to the stance of like, we need to get Austin Reeves here, not because he fits with Trey young, but because we think we can turn Austin into more assets here down the line. Yeah as we as we try to retool around Trey. So that is the best answer I think I can muster on that one. Okay. Yeah, I, I could I could see that for them. It's just it's strange because he's he's walking into his four year extension next year. Like it hasn't even yeah. started yet. His four year extension starts next year. So you usually don't see teams sell that low. And DeJounte's I mean I just I don't think his drop off's gonna be where John Collins I always thought John Collins was uh like a polarizing player he was always the numbers were great but the analytics guys would tell you he was always terrible like his defense was never up to par his catch and shoot threes were never really real i think Dejounte is really good now the defense numbers are what's scary with Dejounte because they've dropped off tremendously with him in atlanta so you just kind of have to hope that you know darvin and the coaching staff can kind of relit that relight that fire in him in terms of the defense um and and kind of get him to focus on that but I, I think it's interesting i i think it's a really sh- strange position to be with atlanta where is d'lo and a first rounder and sadly jalen hood Chifino enough for you know uh, enough for Dejounte murray is that a package that they can sell to their fans like that's what these trades are about as well right can you sell what's coming back to your fan base i don't think you can i don't think you can sell can you sell that to trey young anthony can you sell D'Lo a first and Trey Young's like you're gonna trade the guy averaging 23 7 and 7 it's 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 strange but it seems like they're they're ready to move on for sure well I mean look to your point they haven't pulled the trigger yet so clearly they don't feel like they can't you know sell that return to fan to Trey Young you know otherwise they would have pulled the trigger and and uh and DeJounte Murray would be a Laker already. Um, as far as the this is the other interesting thing, because Raj, I, I don't think DeJounte Murray is enough to turn the Lakers into a legitimate title contender. You know, sure. um, it would require, I think, another trade or another pickup on the periphery to make this thing make sense. Um you know, whether it's uh, I still have my I know that uh, Gary Trent Jr. has called kind of fallen off of the radar because Bruce Brown went to Toronto. So like all of the talks that I've heard mm-hmm. that the Lakers have had with Toronto have been uh, regarding Bruce Brown, though. I think that that traffic has slowed down a little bit of late uh, between the Lakers and, and Bruce Brown or their interest in Bruce Brown. Um, but I still kind of li- I really like the idea of Gary Trent Jr. like having a bona fide shooting guard who can mm-hmm. defend a little bit more, a little thicker guy than Murray. You know, if say like Austin, you know, doesn't have the best game, a Murray, Gary Trent Jr. 
Vanderbilt LeBron AD lineup would be pretty freaking sick. Like that would be pretty great. Mm-hmm. If you could turn basically uh Gabe Vincent into that uh in, into uh, Gary Trent Jr. in some way. Um I saw some reports that Vincent is seen as a negative asset. I don't necessarily agree from what I've heard. Uh, he only has two years left on his deal at a very reasonable 10 million bucks a year after that. And this injury isn't considered um, career threatening. So yeah, I, I am really kind of curious what they would turn Vincent. I, I do kind of think the, the sentiment that I get is that the Lakers want want to turn Vincent into somebody that they know for sure they'll get yeah. minutes this year. Um, what do you think about the idea of like, you know, trading Gabe Vincent and stuff to bring in a, a secondary move or bring secondary player after you trade for DeJounte Murray? Are you willing yeah, to go think- that all in on this year? I mean, I think you have to. I think the Lakers only have what one first they can legitimately trade during this trade deadline. They have their, I think, twenty twenty seven pick that they can trade, or maybe they have the twenty twenty nine. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but I think it's one first. I just, I'm not sure what you're getting with all that together. I just don't. I think they're going to be pretty lateral moves. Like I think Gary Trent would be awesome. I think Gary Trent's really freaking good, and I think he's even a cleaner fit. Not a better player than DeJounte, but he's just a cleaner guard fit in terms of he's awesome kind of moving around screens, and he's a really good point-of-attack guard defender as well, and he's also clutch, which which helps. So is DeJounte, but um, I think that's what they're going to have to do. I still, Anthony, would, like, I would, I know 10 seeds are not really destinations for buyout guys. Like, that's kind of the route I would like to go. I, I would like LeBron and AD to kind of use their, power and muster to go and convince some of these bio guys to come to come here come live in los angeles for a little bit i think that's kind of where the team goes um and i still think the lakers themselves would like to hold on to those first round picks to go package for another star this summer something you've spoken about a lot this this season as well but that would be great if you can get murray and mother one other player i just keep going back to i think what it's gonna take to get murray is gonna like if you it's how negotiations work, right? Like you take something off the table, you're going to have to put something else on. The Lakers have clearly, and I agree with this stance, have removed Austin Reeves from the table. So to make up for that, you're going to have to throw a bunch of other stuff stuff in because the Lakers, yeah. let's be let's be like real about it, Andy. What, the Lakers real, like I love D'Angelo Russell. I'm a huge fan. People trading for D'Angelo Russell are trading for the contract. Like that. that's what, like D'Lo has one year left on a, on a player option that he can leave this summer. So it's very hard for teams trading for D'Lo or trading for D'Lo in, in terms of their basketball future plans. Like, I, I don't think that's what they're doing. And then Gabe Vincent obviously is, is hurt right now. So it's really Austin Reeves and your first round picks are kind of what you can dangle. Um, and I think what it's going to take to get DeJounte Murray uh, is going to uh, kind of probably handicap the other moves you can do. But I, I think that's, a, they're going to have to kind of build around you get DeJounte, you're going to have to go in, in my opinion, go the buyout route. Um, I, I've seen people use lineups with both Bruce Brown and DeJounte. I just, I don't think yeah. we have enough money for yeah, it. Unless you're sending, unless you send Rui out, which again, which is part of your point here is how much better are you if you're doing that? If you take, if you trade Rui for like Bruce Brown, are you better? I don't think so. I, like, I think Rui's better than Bruce Brown. 
my coach might not think that, but like I, I think I think Rui's uh Rui's better than Bruce Brown. So uh, that's definitely a route they're gonna have to go. But I just struggle to see us Anthony having the um the assets, I guess, to do anything after getting after getting Dejounte Murray. Yeah, I think you have the assets to get Murray and Trent. Wow. I think you have the assets to get Murray and like Tyus. Um like those kinds of players, right? Maybe mm. Boyan, because Boyan looks pretty washed. I don't think you have the assets to get or it would really hurt if you got like Murray and Brogdon or Bogdan Bogdanovich, right? Like that, like um those yeah. kinds of like that that combination is really kind of pushing it in terms of the amount of assets that the lakers could push into the middle of the table or are willing to push into the middle of the table right um so like i i i i, I think like the optimal deadline here is murray and trent personally um boyan i i see i see that there's some pushback here to boyan being like it has not looked good, um, Boyan <laughs> this year. Like it, you know, he came back. They were they had high hopes for Boyan coming back, and it has not looked great for him. Um, I don't. I you can maybe get Royce O'Neal, um, because I believe he's expiring, and you know that kind of limits the amount that it costs to get a guy like that. Maybe you could get Murray and, and O'Neal in in the same deadline. I still would prefer Trent. I've always liked Trent more than O'Neal. But um, at the end of the day, like this, this upcoming week is going to be fascinating. These next few days, honestly, are going to be fast. This is me speculating. I am not saying that I think in the next few days we're going to get a big, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about the next few days or whatever, but I do think it's going to be pretty telling because we've hit a bit of a lull in the information flow. And, mm. I do think that at the very least that information flow is going to pick back up here in the next few days heading into this weekend. And as you get within that week mark of the trade deadline, but um, yeah, I, I look, I'm, I'm going to, we've been here talking for an hour plus and we have a happy hour here planned for tomorrow. So if you guys have questions, get them in the form of a five-star review on iTunes send them to me at Anthony or in LA. I'm going to, I'm going to send out a tweet asking for questions and I just know I'm going to get overrun by those questions as well. Um, and, 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 and I'll, I'll hit on as much as I can tomorrow voice, notwithstanding, because we'll see. But uh, Raj, before we go, I do want to say like, is there anything, is there, I, I want to get out of the way and I want you okay. to make the case for D'Angelo Russell to be yes. like, like no, like no deals, you know, bet on this roster. I want you to make that case to, to send us on out of here. Okay. So this might be a little long. Cause I've been waiting for this moment, Anthony. I just, I, I, when I look at just fandom in general, and it's obviously a psychotic kind of behavior, right? It's not normal. It's why it's, you know, it's the fan is short for fanatic. I think there's parts of fandom where it's more than just a transactional and, like shameless plug, I was, you know, talking to Jalen Huchifino a couple of days ago. And one of the best parts of being a fan is seeing someone who started here, 
was able to grow into was able to grow was able to get better and you like watch him and people aren't watching south bay games i know because i i like when I tweeted out, people are surprised there's a game going on. But like you can see players are getting better. You see the growth. D'Angelo Russell Anthony was drafted here. Played two years. Um, played two years here. Played under an awful coach to start that I won't name. Um, had a second Harvey. year where he played. Oh no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> his his second game, uh no, his his second season, his last game, I don't know if you remember this, was a game winner. It was in the corner. Um, he beat. Uh, he had a game-winning three against Minnesota. It was then traded, and then returned. Right, and you saw a player that I made the comparison to, who left to college, and then came back. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm this better, newer, more you know, renewed person of myself, and played really well. Um, so like, I understand he's, he's, he's he understands the business. The Lakers understand the business. I just would like fans to at least think about it, and maybe the Laker brass as well to just. Have the conversation. I, I I think DeJounte Murray is better than D'Angelo Russell. I have questions if he's 20, if he's 10, 12 million dollars a year better than D'Angelo Russell. I wonder, I those are questions I, I seriously have. Um, Adilo's playing really well, and I'm not trying to get caught up in the moment. Uh, but if you're if you see these games, this is a different player who's obviously found himself. And I put stock into a guy who's like, you're going to trade me? Watch this. I'm about to have the best month of my career, which I think he's having. Um, and this isn't to say that trade and dealer would be the wrong move. I would just would like conversations around it. And I just would like it to be different than the first time we traded Dilo, which it was very clear. Whoever you want to blame was like, we got to get that dude out the door now. And they did for a package that was not exciting. Brooke Lopez, who was, you know, wasn't the player he was now. Um, but then we let him walk anyway. So you kind of, you know, lost Delo for you can say Josh Hart or Kyle Kuzma in the in that trade. I just I would like it to be a thought, Andy. That's all. And I don't think it's a thought online. I think a lot of it is just you and the others who have the trade, you know, machine on speed, not speed dial on, uh, you know, bookmarked favorites. on the internet. Yeah, yeah, on favorites. Um, I still have not opened it, but like I, the people who have it, I feel like Delo's the first contract. You just drag into that um and try to match salaries with i would like people to at least at least consider a, a world where you build on this team and not just shut it down which i think trade trading dilo would be you your concerns with darvin ham is is fair and valid and i think this goes a part of it right you trade your starting guard from this season it's a lot that, that's a big that's a big shift dilo runs Dilo has like a 20, has a pretty high usage on this team. He's not just a spot up guy. He's a guy we run a lot of offense through. It would switch a lot of the stuff you do. A lot of your rotations would have to be different. LeBron would have to be more on ball because of whoever you bring in. I just I think these are questions that, you know, have to have to be answered. And I would like D'Angelo Russell to at least be appreciated, Anthony. If not, if not forever, appreciate him for this next two weeks. Cause this might be the last Dilo's not coming back. He's not doing a third stint. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Never say never. With the Lakers, I guess, but um, this might be your last time watch D'Angelo Russell, and he's a really fun player when he has it going and has his, you know, bravado and you know has all the juice of, of his pull up jump shooting and all the threes and his ball handling that and the passing that can be, you know, su such an awe to watch sometimes. So just think about it. Just can can people think about it? Think about not trading D'Angelo Russell. That's that's all I ask. That's it. Thought about it and.
<laughs> That's as much thought as you gave it, huh? No, all right. Here's the thing. I agree with you, Raj. I think okay. this run that D'Angelo Russell is on right now is legitimately special. And I think that there is a lot to like from the game that he is playing right now. And as frustrating as it is to say out loud that, you know, as we've been begging D'Lo to just be aggressive next to LeBron, he seems to have, re to have realized that that is the key and it is unlocked what it looks like when he is out there with LeBron. That is all true. Mm -hmm. um, there is just so much risk of opportunity cost in not trading the guy. And I hate, like, I hate the fact that, like, man, 10-year-old me, if 10-year-old me heard 37-year-old yeah. me use terms like risk of opportunity cost when talking about basketball, 10-year-old <laughs> me would absolutely hate me. This is who mm -hmm. I have become. Like, this is like, <laughs> I, I, I hear myself say those things, and I'm like, I hate myself. Stop saying that stuff. But yeah. that is the reality of the situation, though, right? Like, you do have to take those things into account. You do sure. have to, like, legitimately weigh the cost-benefit of hoping that this is the time that D'Angelo Russell doesn't get benched in the playoffs because we haven't seen that yet. It has literally not happened that a team hasn't had to bench D'Angelo Russell in the playoffs. That is not the, and, and if the Lakers didn't bench him this playoffs, if he was on the roster on that, at that point, that would be the first. And, and I, I think that's something that like, I can't get out of my head. And when you can, when you add to that, the fact that this guy could just opt out and that trade chip is now gone on top of gambling on his past postseason failures. Like, that's a lot for my 37-year-old brain to come to grips with, even as 10-year-old me is saying, dude, this guy is so freaking fun to watch. Have you not just yeah. been watching this guy? And, and, and that's where that's where that clash of 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 fandom and you know, almost like Machiavellian or just just pure pragmatism bump, you know, but you know, hit heads against each other. For sure. And I think the Denver series has, you know, and Dilo would tell you himself if he was, you know, being honest, like that was a terrible point. That was probably a low for him. And just in terms of basketball career of uh, of a player like just a player like Bruce Brown being able to basically punk him out of the series. I think we do this a lot with Dilo and a lot of players get this. We just skip to the conference finals. And I think the previous rounds count those. I don't think we beat Minnesota in the playing game if Dilo does if you remember in that playing game, we were down, I believe, seven to start or something the fourth quarter. Deal has three straight threes, puts us up one or two points to get us two. back in that game. Yeah, to, to get us back um, to get us back with the lead. And then we obviously go and win that game. And then in, in game one against the Golden State no, he Warriors. Hit three threes to put us up two. Remember put that. us up to okay three straight threes to put us up to right in the in the fourth third quarter um and then game one against the warriors right the warriors go on a 15-0 run everybody anthony looks scared looks nervous looks shaky no one wants the basketball what are they who goes and gets the basket d'angelo russell one-on-one -on -one against An andrew wiggins pump fake uh leaning yeah leaning left left block shot to, to put us up to and that was the final basket final score of the game and the lakers win that one i believe it was game four against memphis um had a huge you know had a huge fourth quarter or third quarter to put us up after memphis was up like these moments gets 
get lost because of the Denver series, which again is a totally fair kind of critique. He did not shoot well. And when D'Lo doesn't shoot well, he kind of becomes a shell of himself. And there was a level of aggression that was lacked. And you brought, you brought up multiple times, Mike Malone, the, the pre the opposing coach kind of calling him out. Those are all fair critiques. I also think like the players of that have D'Lo's role that also average 20 and six in the playoffs. Those are stars like kind of if you look at it just around the league that's those are your stars or your right under stars so um it, it's tough because i understand the concerns with him and his playoff level is what it is and i think there's a level that the playoffs get to that he can't just reach maybe physically or mentally but i think getting there it's tough to replace a guy like d'angelo russell he's he's an above replacement level player to me and the guy you trade for needs to not only fit, but play really well. Adilo's a really easy scapegoat. Um, besides Torian, it, it's very easy to throw on him or uh, whoever and kind of blame the team struggles for them. But uh, I think his his skill set is very needed on this team. It's The ball handling is, is a huge part of this team's kind of success and what they look good at. And I just want you and others to think about it. That's all. Just, you know. Consider as if Consider. I'm making the decision. I'm right. only reporting yeah. the decision. But you're I- in the kitchen. <laughs> I see it, Anthony. <laughs> you watch how the sausage is being made. Drop. I'm on the. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the well, outside. This has been fun. This has been cathartic. Uh, I, I have I have really enjoyed this. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We have maintained a big crowd for this the, for the entirety of this uh, of this long conversation, um, and we'll be doing it again tomorrow. Um, in the early afternoon Pacific time. Uh, Raj, thank you very much uh, for, for hopping on. The Lakers do beat the Chicago Bulls 141 to 132. Uh, they now sit at 23 and 23, 500 on the year, and need to start stacking wins, man. They need to start stacking successes. Yep. They need to start like actually growing as a squad and as an organization. Um, and we'll see what the next, you know, few days and then week and then week and some change lead to. So until then, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin. That is Raj Shapalu saying, have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.